Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. You know that we're giving away an album free wing on July 1st, and if you're a supporter, then you're already entered to win it. If not, and you'd like to support our work, it is only five bucks a month, and if you set up the support before July 1st, Pacific Standard Time, you'll be entered to win the surfboard as well. And if album doesn't have a free wing in stock that fits your dimensions, Matt Parker will build you one. The free wing is a board that he spent six months designing with Jack Freestone. I think it was mostly, I think Jack felt the pressure of like wanting to, he's like a, he's a very talented, high performing surfer. So there's a little bit, I think sometimes a little, not a nervousness, but a little bit of a performance anxiety, right? When you're jumping on something that's perceived as like an alternative board or a fun board of like, am I still going to be able to go out and shred and look good and get clips on it? And so I think this was like a real safety of like, oh, I feel comfortable on this, and I can kind of branch out, but there's kind of a steady, um, it just feels comfortable and natural, so that I can kind of bounce from a shortboard to it really easily, but I can definitely, it feels like, oh, this is a, a, a progression at the same time, which is kind of cool. Over the years, we talk a lot about mid-lengths or fish, mainly because we're all over 40 and we're not really that fit anymore. But Jack's young and he still does crazy airs, so the free wing is the perfect bridge board. Just a step away from what he was riding on the CT, but absolutely accessible for you and I. From like first glance at the free wing, if you kind of blur your eyes, it almost looks like a shortboard. You know, it's not that much wider. Um, it probably, it probably carries volume-wise like a liter and a half more than his shortboard would, but kind of in a little bit of a shorter package. So he rides it like 5'11", 19 and a half, touch wider, and then like two and a half. And um, 
Uh, but so main characteristics of it, it's kind of a performance outline with a little fuller nose and it has um, kind of a late wing into it like a, a squash tail. So it's kind of like a standard shortboard squash tail. And the, what the wing does is it lets a little bit more width run through kind of the drive zone. So in between the feet, the outline's a little straighter, which just carries, makes the board feel really fast. So if you see clips of him riding it, when he really locks in on his bottom turn and he's projecting down the line, you can see the thing just really accelerate and take off. And then when he goes up in the lip and to hit it, that's when that little uh, wing kind of frees it up and it gives him kind of a breaking point where the board will release, release at the lip, release when he wants to. And so you get like a really fun combination of a, of, of a short board that feels like it goes faster than a normal short board would go, but it's freed up also a little bit more too. So it's like this cool little balance of the two. And if you switch up the fin configuration, it actually plays double duty for a few other board genres. So it's one board that could replace two or three in your quiver. The idea with this one really was something that you can realistically ride as a tri-fin thruster setup, like your favorite thruster fin setup, or two plus one you know, twin trailer, and you can go back and forth. And so um, guys that are maybe afraid to jump fully on the go all twin fin because they feel like that's a little bit too much of a leap. This is a board that you can, you really can't do both. So if it's, let's say it's really good bowly day and you want just your, your the, you know, consistent grip and feel of your thruster, you put your tri-fin set in there and you're going to be able to pivot and bank off the bottom like you normally would. And then if the waves are a little less or you want to free it up a little bit, you put the twins in with a little, something, a little stabilizer in the, in the trailer box and you can feel the feeling of a little bit more freedom, a little bit more speed, a little looser. The album Free Wing, a mere $5 contribution gets you entered to win and you will have the pride of knowing that you're helping archive these conversations for the future and investing in many more episodes to come. Surfsplendorpodcast.com and of course we'll link you to Album Surf where you can order a Free Wing today if you don't want to wait. All right, thanks so much for your support and your consideration. On to today's show. Yeah, that's right, buddy. Good morning and welcome. It's a bright, sunny morning there. Good Lord. You kidding me right Jeez. now? Did you lose your window shade or something? No, my window shade is the natural cloud cover, the marine layer that normally exists, but we have an incredibly... Uh, Sort of a tropical vibe here this morning in Southern California, down in San Diego. There's tropical clouds, and there's almost like the threat of some pitter patter on the sand. Small little dimples from tropical rainfall. We had lightning just like a couple hours ago, and then it seemed like ten seconds until the thunder. So it wasn't close, but unusual for sure. I love this tropical Me vibe. Too. Me too. Um, well, you're right. NVS, surfnvs.com is the website. Um, so these Apex series fins that we always talk about, they're made out of G10 laminate. So they're hard, they're thin, thin foils, but they're also guaranteed for lifetime. They come with a lifetime warranty. So um, I don't know if you've ever broken a fin before. I haven't, but you certainly do nick them and ding them. And um, this lifetime warranty allows you to get a new set if that ever were to happen, but it wouldn't happen because the G10 is so strong. Well, it's interesting that you brought that up because I reached out to the guys at NVS about a fin that I want custom made. 
And the reason I want it custom made is that the one that I had broke, it broke at no the way. base. Yeah. Now I'm not, sh- I think it broke, you know, not because I was surfing just because, you know, I did something to it. Like I put in too many boards on top of it on accident or something silly like that, you know, like it's no stressed fault. Of, it out. Yeah. It's no fault of the manufacturer. It was user error, but, but one of my favorite fins, which they don't make anymore. And I absolutely love these fins. And I was lucky enough to ride them recently. Somebody had a set down in Mexico in December and I rode them and I was like, Oh yeah, these, and I've always loved those fins. So anyway, I reached out to leaf. Is it Leif? Yeah, Leif, Leif. At, NV, at NVS fins. And he's kind enough to, uh, they're very responsive as far as customer service. So um, we're in the process, I believe, of maybe getting those fins custom made for me in the G10. That's so that's the other detail that listeners should know is that they can do small run of customs, even one offs. But if you're a surfboard shaper and you've wanted a specific fin design for a board model, but maybe uh, you've talked to fin companies and they need like a hundred, you have to order a hundred units or whatever it is. Talk to NBS. They will do a small batch for you. They have the ability to. And from what I understand, it's cheaper than a lot of other, uh, than just paying retail for those things. So um, surfnvs.com, they are also available at our retail partner, which is realwatersports.com. And um They've got everything. They've got Stu Kenson's got a fin with them. Taylor Knox has a set of fins. Album has a set of like. There's a whole range of board builders um, that are also available at RealWaterSports.com, and you can buy the matching fins there too. So it's a no-brainer. Yeah, Real Water Sports for your hard good needs, including the great NVS fins. And I have a set of those Taylor Knox twin fins, I believe it is that that they made and. I wonder where those are. Those are in a board somewhere in my shed. I got to pull those out and put those. I got a new board. I'm super psyched on it. And I, I'm just changing around fins. I had this thought too. We always talk, you and I, about, oh, how important it is to change fins out. And it is, right? But it's something yeah. we never do. And I was thinking about um, like some of the demos that some of the, some of the great board companies put on. Like Firewire puts on a great demo. And um, there's some other board builders that are really good at doing demos like they have it down you know what i mean but what we miss is a fin demo like the ideal thing would be for some somebody and i don't even know this might just be out of a labor of love i don't think there's any way to make any money on this but regardless it doesn't matter wouldn't it be cool if you could go to a demo and you just bring your boards and the demo has all of your options like yeah. it's got your favorite fins in both FCS and future boxes, you know, and it's yeah. got everything so that you could literally go in the board that you love. You could take catch two waves, come in. Totally. You know what I mean? Like that type of demo has never been done. A purely fin demo that's purely based on let's ref- let's really figure out why your board, you know, which fins make your board go so great. NVS, we're looking at you. Aren't you doing a surfboard demo for the boardroom show? Yeah, but again, there's been great de- surfboard demos. Well, I'm saying NVS should show up to the surfboard demo with this exact concept in mind. It would be a good one. There you go. Bang. Boom. Uh, all right, Scott. Well, on to today's show. As we say, 
some movement at the takeoff zone. It's Kelly Slater grabbing rail. A clean entry. This thing holding open. It spits. When it spit me, I thought it was going to spit me off my board. Comes out with the spit. Spits him out. Comes out after the spit. Gets spat out of another good-looking wave here. Spit. 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 We're just spitballing, right? Yeah, I got Yeah, guy. Yeah, guy. A phrase that we're not really sure that you know what's the what's the word when etymology. You, thank you. We're not sure of the etymology of the phrase. Can the etymology be for a phrase, or is that a specific word? I think etymology is a specific word. Yeah, we're gonna expand its definition though for a phrase. Uh, the phrase "yeah, guy." We're not sure where it comes from. Is what we're trying to say here. Uh, well, I it, would tell you that it that it emanates from the seaside parking lot about 1977, but um, it may have first come out of the mouth of Todd Martin. Uh, who knows? We're not sure. It's maybe um, it was Lonnie Brothers. We're not sure, but um, it feels like the. Uh kind of transition era for surfboards where it was happening simultaneously at a couple of different places, you know, like everybody kind of came to the same conclusion that (laughs) (laughs) you see your buddy and you're like, yeah. And then you just add on a guy afterwards. So you just see him and you're happy and you're just like, yeah, guy. And I think, yeah, around that era, it was, it was probably happening in uh, Santa Cruz and Florida and seaside all around that time. Oh my, it coincides with Breakout Magazine, I think. Mm. There you go. You were just talking about a new surfboard that you're in love with. Yeah. Um, I saw the Instagram post. Yeah, Rainbow Surfboards. My friend John made me a board, uh, Rainbow Surfboards. And it's it's a what he calls a Quan, which is, it's got an interesting uh, rail. It's kind of got like a brewer rail. Old, the old brewer rail from Hawaii where it's got a flat deck and then the rail kind of it doesn't pinch it almost just steps down a little bit you know not much and um, so it's got plenty of volume and he gave me this great set of fins that go with the design you know they're like they're like a rich Pavel fin co- concept where you take the keel and you cut the keel in half and you separate the fins like that instead of the keel it turns into two fins but um i personally feel like that's a lot of fin for this tail it's it's more of a pulled in kind of twin fin tail so i'm and i like the the fins that john gave me i rode i think in bigger ways it's the perfect fin setup but for small little summertime two to three you know footers I'm looking for something a little bit more snappy. And that's why I'm asking the guys at NVS to make me these Tom Carroll Aqua line fins that have way more cant. Yeah. They're really canted out and um, they loosen up the board a lot. Yeah. They're still, they don't have the rake. They're kind of still um, not block shaped, but a little bit block shaped. Uh, Do you mean the Quan fins or the Tom Carroll ones? The Tom Carroll. Yeah, no, there's kind of a, they're a unique outline for sure. You know, I guess, yeah. But they no do rake. have rake. But but the, the main characteristic is, I mean, there's a little bit of rake and you can find them online, just no one has them for sale. Like you could see the type of, but the problem is when you look at images online of it, 
about that fin it doesn't show the, the important part which is they're not like straight up they they can't out quite a bit right right um yeah that quan board i thought that you misspelled quad yeah um but the flat deck to the rail transition that you're talking about showed up well in the instagram photo like the lighting was just right that you could kind of see that almost edge on yeah. the deck to the rail yeah um what's the length width and all that stuff oh it's six two it's 20 and three quarters and it's two and nine sixteenths which is a little more than two and a half thick but i think it's a little fuller than that actually it feels pretty full which I'm fine with at, at yeah. my age, what I'm doing. Um, I love a little bit more rail, more, more fun yeah. to paddle around. Yeah. Interesting. It looks interesting. Yeah. It's a it cool looks, board. It's a cool board. Looks, I've had, I've had boards similar to it. Kind of like the, the Pavel speed dialer, but yeah. Um, just refined, like more, like just a different pulled in, in the tail. Yeah. Um, so a movie I watched this past week. I'm only halfway through it, but the yin and yang of Jerry Lopez documented. Uh, it's a documentary about Jerry Lopez directed by Stacy Peralta. Uh, I think it's produced by Patagonia. Have you seen it yet? No, I haven't seen it. I was invited to go see it at the La Paloma. There was a big premiere this weekend here in Encinitas and I was invited to go, but um, something came up and I couldn't get to it. Um, so any idea why it's titled the yin and yang of Jerry Lopez? Well, I'm going to guess it has something to do with, um, this character that out of the water has kind of got a very peaceful, serene vibe and in the water. Um, maybe that's not the same situation. I don't know. Nailed it. Have you yeah. talked to Stacy Peralta about this? No, have you? No. Um, but you're entirely right. Yeah. The, the kind of concept or in order to become Mr. Pipeline, you really have to be uh, alpha, alpha. Dog, alpha male dogged, you know, and, but in order to, well, I should say in order to have that place in the lineup, that's how you have to become, but in order to become Mr. Pipeline in the sense of cerebral with the wave and stylish and all that, the amazing surfing that he was doing the alpha thing actually doesn't help in order to have that level of style and connectedness with the ocean you need to be the zen master and so that is what the film is kind of about is getting to the bottom of jerry as a human being who's able to go from one kind of end of the dichotomy to the other and as jerry explains it that's what yoga is all about Yoga yeah. isn't just about being um, calm all the time. It's about really teetering on the edge of, you know, uh, I don't know what, but pushing your body to its limits while at the same time being completely fluid. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds interesting. I, I want to see the film. I mean, anything that Stacy does is, it's probably going to be pretty good. I don't know uh, if there's any deep, dive conflict in Jerry's life that's worthy of pulling out in a storyline or not. Um, I sense that Stacy's pretty focused on the theme that he chose and I'm sure it's well done. Well, that is the conflict. And I agree with you. It's not, um, 
I don't know, it's not as raw as somebody who like came from some hard scrabble upbringing, you know, but it still does make for, it still is an interesting dive into Jerry and the way that the way that it opens, the way that they kind of showcase that conflict is Jerry coming to terms with and apologizing for burning countless, countless people at pipeline and specifically at G land. And he's just basically saying, look, I knew that those people basically couldn't do anything or say anything to me about it. And I knew that I had put in the hard yards. And if a wave was coming that I wanted, I'm going full stop. No questions asked. I'm just going. And he's like, a lot of these people, you know, are on the trip of their lifetime, catching the single wave of their lifetime. And for me, it's one of a thousand that I'm going to be getting, but I'm going. And he was apologetic about it. Uh, that's interesting, you know. Um, Jerry has been known to catch a few waves if you've ever surfed with him, <laughs> you know. And you also know it's Jerry. What am I going to do? You know. That's exactly what he was saying. And uh, you know, whatever. It. I mean, I always look at it like, am I capable of being that person? And the answer, sadly, is yes. And um, and it's not right. Bottom line is, it's not right. The other thing that I'm assuming that this movie pulls out is, you know, like yin and yang, like, like there's the, there's a sense that you have to deflate your ego to be in a Zen like state. You know, I think the whole thing about Zen is you're egoless, you know, you're just, there's a lot of humility. You're just as one with nature and and with the cosmos and um, interesting story, kind of. Yesterday, I was meditating yesterday morning, five o'clock in the morning, I wake up, dog goes outside, I go out with it, and I sit and I start meditating. And I think to myself, you know what I'm going to do, which I never do. I'm going to chant Om. you know, by the way, can you hear me? Yeah, I can I'm, I'm going to chant. So I, I go out to meditate and I go, I'm going to chant Om. Uh, and I had randomly heard somewhere, I forget where I read it. Yes, the day before. Somebody clever said, Ohm is the dial tone of the universe. And I thought to myself, oh, I'm going to chant Ohm. And I do meditate, but I don't ever chant Ohm. And so I go out there and I, I close my eyes and I go, Ohm. And I try to get that vibration kind of going, you know, which the Ohm thing is supposed to do, like Ohm. And it's supposed yeah. to bring up the, and that's why it's the dial tone of the universe. And as soon as I do it, a moth flies straight into my head, like it just lands there on my forehead. <laughs> And I immediately, I'm like, oh my God, what the hell? Yeah, totally. And I'm thinking the Ohm thing worked. Like the, the Ohm thing attracted this moth straight to my head. That is so funny. But that was a, uh, a uh, we took an offshoot, an, uh, an off-road. We went a different direction there, but we were talking about Jerry and the deflation of the ego. So when you and your dog are relieving yourself on the lawn at 5 a.m. Wait a does... minute. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> i'm just kidding if you want to know if he Uh, picks up after me the answer is no (laughs) that's the way it should be there we own them they don't own us why are we picking up their poop (laughs) have you ever done that have you have you ever gone out to relieve your dog and relieved yourself at the same time have you ever (laughs) i have not because i don't go out with the dog we just let her go out on her own there's nothing more fulfilling 
That's what I was going to say. You're sitting there, you're <laughs> chanting Om, meditating. I think that would help facilitate the process. Uh. <laughs> um, one other thing about Jerry yeah. that I forgot, like as the story was unfolding, I'm like, oh my gosh, I remember hearing about this was when he ripped himself a new a-hole at Pipeline by wiping out on that classic, you know, lightning bolt pin single fin. So you know what that fin looks like. He wiped out the board flipped over and he got skewered by it right in his butt crack. Mm -hmm. And I had heard this story in the past that, you know, Oh, Jerry basically punctured himself a new butthole. Well, they show a photograph of it. Gnarly. In the <laughs> Gnarly. That might be too much info. It was, I was aghast. I saw it and I was like, oh my gosh, it is as bad as you would imagine it. Gnarly. Because the, the way that Rory Russell, Rory Russell went to the hospital with him. So the way that Rory was telling the story was that Jerry, you know, felt back there and he feels the blood and he feels like the opening of the skin, like the wound. And he basically slides all four fingers into the wound. And he's just like, oh, no, this is bad. You know, so then he gets to the beach and shows it to Rory. And Rory's like, uh, we're going to the hospital immediately. Um, but so you consider that, that you can put your all four fingers inside. That's how the how large the size of this wound was. And it wasn't like on the side of the cheek. It was like in the crack. So it's in an awful position. Um, but if you didn't want to already see the film, this one image alone. Oh, and I was just Lord. thinking good on them for even grabbing the, for taking the photograph back when it happened, because in the melee, you wouldn't, I mean, now we have iPhones, well, so I guess you might have, but back then you didn't have an iPhone to have the kind I'm of sure foresight to catch, the, take a photo. The photo probably came from like the Kahuku hospital or something. Yeah, right? maybe. Yeah. That's the other might. thing going to the Kahuku hospital in 1976 or whatever. <laughs> I think they, I think they said that they just did some little treatment and then took him to Queens. Yeah. Uh, at any rate, highly recommended. It is not available for the public. Actually it's doing um, a tour right yeah. now. So yeah. you could see it in a theater if you live anywhere near the beach or wherever they'd be screening it but eventually i'm sure it'll be available online and you should you should go see it i really wanted to see it i, I mean it was kind of a big event here you know jerry was here there it was a big to do here in encinitas the patagonia store had an event beforehand they all went to the la paloma and uh jerry was gracious as he always is he's so good with the public and uh and his you know he he gets it you know what i mean yeah it should be stated since we're talking about surfboards all the time um his son alex lopez shapes boards now uh not far from your neck of the woods i think he's in san clemente building in san clemente now but um he'd be a cool guy to get for the shape off at the boardroom show i'd love to do that i'm gonna i'll talk to timmy see about see about doing that boom there you that go would be, that Look would be that. fun that would be fun wouldn't it totally and he's building cool boards too I bet. I know he was buddies with Ryan Lovelace. Yeah, that's right. Because he was helping the year that Jerry was the honoree at the boardroom show. I think Alex was helping that year, right? Yeah. And then Ryan ended up winning that 
because he had awareness kind of he's friends with Alex. So he knows those boards fairly well. Um, well, moving on from the yin and yang of Jerry Lopez, the El Salvador competition ended, I think, on the day that we recorded last week. Yeah. It's been a week now, so we don't have to do a deep dive, but we should at least state Griffin Colapinto won over Felipe Toledo, um, Stephanie Gilmore over Lakey Peterson. This is Stephanie Gilmore's 33rd CT win, which is pretty incredible. And yeah. um, she jumps into the top five with this. So that's a huge deal. That is. And the, the semifinal, you know, the finals day um, was obviously the best day of the event as far as the waves themselves. Well, the afternoon before finals day is when it got glassy and perfect. And then finals day was a step down from that, but oh, still probably okay. better than the rest of the competition. But let's talk about the good. Let's talk about the good afternoon. Yeah. People, people are, we're so overhyping it. Like, Oh my God, the waves are perfect. They were, everybody's calling it Jay Bay of Latin America. Jordy Smith went in his <laughs> post heat interview and was like, anybody who says that needs to be slapped, yeah. which I appreciated Jordy saying the reality was based on what we had seen all week, that surf looked phenomenal and yeah. by all means you and i would love to surf it it's phenomenal for our standards yeah. but it's not a world-class way for the championship tour to be surfing you know what i mean like it's a step up from what we had seen all week it's a step up from a bunch of the beach breaks we ran in last year it's still not J bay it's still not cloud break it's still not chopu or pipeline or anything like that so there's a lot of point breaks in the world that are of that quality there's very few reef breaks in the world that are of cloud breaks quality. Yeah, you're right. And I'm one of the guys that deserves to be slapped. I think last time I said it, you know, I basically kind of compared it to Jay Bay. And I will say that I have surfed it really good, like four to six feet with eight foot sets and groomed offshore breeze, like a strong five knot wind that was grooming it. And there was like one section that had similarities to maybe being J-Bay. But let's be clear. What I'm trying to convey here is that there might be moments. But Punta Roca is a super fun wave. It's a great cobblestone point. It is nowhere near J-Bay. J-Bay right. is on a whole nother level. You're talking, first of all, you're talking Southern Ocean swell that's just like, you know, mind-blowingly powerful. And you're talking, you know, whatever it is, mile and a half. It's, it's a frig. J Bay is a long point. You only ever really see the top, you know, that one really killer section, which is 300 yards. Yeah. There's another 400 yards down from there that people surf that you don't even, that's like, you know, not even seen. So it's, it's just, it's just a different, there, there's no way you can compare it. And I did see what Jordy said. And, and in fact, I saw it on your Instagram post and it was um, well put. You know, and it's nice to see that's the one thing we're going to miss about Jordy when he falls off, <laughs> when, whenever that is. But he's 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 definitely, you know, unfiltered or as unfiltered as they come. I'm sure he has a bit of a filter on him because he's a professional, but well, it's nice to see the unfiltered. The other detail about Jay Bay versus Punta Roca is. You said when you surfed Punta Roca and it was good, it was four to six feet. We don't even start talking about J-Bay until it's 
at least four to six feet. And yeah. then it's a comp, then it were to actually, oh, okay, it's actually on today, maybe, you know? So we're looking at 10 feet for J Bay. When the, it's thing, the thing about J Bay that's, that's so, if you're new, especially not the local guys that surf it all the time, but if you've never surfed there and you paddle out there and you surf there, and by the way, I've never been there. So I'm just speaking from what I see, but there's an eight foot wall that's stretching out in front of you for 400 yards. And your go-to is, oh my God, I've got a haul ass to make the section. When in fact, you kind of need to be hanging around where it's actually breaking. But you're, you know, your your gut instinct is, there's no way I'm going to make this when it just kind of rolls in and. Which you end up, that's why you see people pumping down the line and never doing a turn at J-Bay. Even on the championship tour, you'll see people make that mistake which is why Tom Curran's first wave at J Bay is so iconic. Yeah. The fact that he dug in to those bottom turns that are like almost pointing at the beach, straight at the beach, going up and doing big off the tops is just remarkable that he paced that wave so well. That's a great point. And that what we just kind of excavated somewhere when people are watching that footage of jay of tom at jay bay's first wave that should be um front and center those comments that like yeah he surfs it incredible and oh my god this is his first wave and did you know like this is what makes him special you know what you just mentioned totally. and and puna roca never has 400 yards of eight foot swell out in front of you wrapping in and have you know puts your your heart in your throat right still a good wave super fun not wave not not a world-class championship tour quality even on that one good day um anyways so this the rankings let's discuss the rankings real quick we're looking at rio starting in the next day or two felipe toledo is in the lead still he has one win and three second place finishes jack robinson has two wins griffin colapinto now has two wins uh this is a tight title race yeah, it's looking really good, um, but it's not really a title race. It's a race to see who the top five will be, Great and then we and then point. we go to rippable four to six foot lowers, and and I think it does a disservice to the world champion, whoever that might be. Um, well, a little bit. If it's this tight, where the points are all that close it's less of a disservice. If Felipe ran away with the first place as Gabriel did last year, you know, then it would become a disservice if somebody leapfrogged him. But I think, and I still agree with what you're saying. The concept has flaws, but it's less of a disservice when it's looking this way. And the other thing is those three guys are all really um, kind of uh, equal, equal surfers for lowers. They're equally adept at, that style of surfing. Yeah, I don't know. I, I sense that Felipe is a little bit above all of them. Uh, the top five, I'm looking at the top five, Jack Robinson, Griffin. If it was these five right now, Idolo and Kanoa. Uh, well, Idolo and Felipe, um, I think, I don't know. Griffin sure is mind-blowing. You could put Griffin in that conversation now. He's really yeah, elevated I think his so. game this year, I think especially right. with those two wins. Um, I mean, look, he took out Felipe in this event in those types of conditions. So that says something. I guess my problem is these guys could bomb at eight foot Chopu losing the first round. Exactly. And it wouldn't matter. 
Yeah. And that kind that of bums, that kind of bums me out. Well, you say these guys. Jack Robinson won it. Right. Which is worth considering. You know, that's uh Felipe. If Felipe you just you need that to count towards the title ultimately is what it comes down to. Yeah, you do. And then, you know, fifth place is Kanoa Igarashi. He's got 28,000 points. The thing that's interesting here is that, for instance, Jake Marshall could win an event and be in the be really close to the top five, if not in the top five. Yeah. So what we talked about last time was, oh, there's some people that don't really need to be surfing for much. And, you know, I think conventional wisdom would say, yeah, it's true. But it's also true mathematically that there's a lot of guys still in this thing. Now, that that assumes that the top five bomb while Jake Marshall wins, you know, in Rio, which that's going to happen. You know, so when you really think about the possibilities after Rio, um, I'll tell you what. In fact, I made my fantasy team today, this morning. And guess who's on it? You know, Miguel Pupo. Kyle Abelli is on it. Um, a lot. Sammy Pupo's. Both the Pupos are on my team. You know, Joao, Gabe Medina. Joao's, Joao Joao's, but he's not one that could jump into the. But I'm looking at guys that could, you know. Yeah, make a big leap here, and um, and I kind of hope that hop- I hope there's a shakeup. I hope that that cloud breaking. I mean that uh, Chopu means something. You know Me that. Too. And so yeah. I'm hoping for major upsets. I would like it if all five of these guys lost out in the in in, in the elimination round. I'd be fine with that too. I think it offers a major opportunity for Kelly Slater. It absolutely Kelly, if he went to Rio, could win and be right there. He's at 18,000 points. So that's the question. Is Kelly he hasn't officially withdrawn from Rio? Um, so but I'll look to see if he's in the draw. Um, I thought they were Kelly. Well, uh, Kelly with withdrew from El Salvador, right? Citing injury. Yeah. Somebody somebody messaged me from Bali saying they saw Kelly training hard with um i forget with who but with somebody there they're like he's not injured at all i saw him training hard he's been surfing kelly's not injured he just didn't want to go to el salvador right and so he's traditionally not gone to brazil many times um and he just takes it as a throwaway so i'm wondering if we're going to see him actually in brazil he's listed as injured on the fantasy site you cannot pick him on the fantasy site he's listed as injured on the wsl's fantasy site i'm looking at the heat draw right now and he is not in the heat draw so kelly's officially out man did they not press release this how did we find out you and i know that we're just discussing it. We're figuring it out. No, right we talked now. about it last time, last week. We, we talked, about, talked about him being out of El Salvador, but did we talk about him being out of Rio? Yeah. Well, I saw somewhere that he was not going to Rio, um, oh, okay. El Salvador or Rio. Okay. I was thinking John, John was the one that I was aware was out of both events. I didn't know Kelly was. Yeah. Okay. My mistake then. Um, well, anyways, Chopu could benefit Kelly if he does well there. If I was, uh, and Jay Bay, by the way, um, I was, we're not playing 
survival league anymore because we both got booted out with our losses when we picked Griffin Colabendo in the one event. Thanks, Griffin. In the one event that he didn't win this year, essentially, (laughs) and the one heat that Owen Wright made somehow. Anyways, I'm still pissed about it. If I were to be playing survival league, my pick for Rio, even though I already picked him for El Salvador in this (laughs) hypothetical game. Okay. Felipe Toledo. Listen to this. Felipe Toledo won Rio in 2015, 2018, 2019. So he's won the last two times they've run an event there. Yeah, that's the problem with my hopes of a shakeup is that it, this event's at Rio and I and my entire team is is Brazilians except for Ethan Ewing. So you know, yeah. I'm, it's just By the way, Gabriel Gabriel's never won there. You know, I mean, I think it's actually going to be exciting if like I would I'm kind of obviously with my fantasy team but it would be cool if it was like Philippe Idolo Gabe Jadson Miguel Pupo Sammy Pupo Kyle Obelli like if it was an all Brazilian <laughs> affair like from the quarterfinals on you know throw in like whoever Baron Mamiya and Caleb Robson or whatever but you know what I mean I as much as I want there to be a huge shakeup, I think it'd be kind of fun for Brazil if there was a big Brazilian contingent and let's face it they make up a huge chunk of the tour yeah they do well so I'm looking at Felipe this is a three-peat opportunity this really does feel like his year he it feels when you look at him surf like his foot is on the gas pedal there's a ton of confidence um I don't see him tripping up I don't know who you would pit him against well here's in which he would lose with your survival pick is that Philippe Toledo has been picked already. Like for the mass quantities, you know, the majority of the people have already picked Felipe is my point. So let's be realistic. I think this is an opportunity for a Kyle Abelli at this point in the game, you're kind of like you're dealing with scraps and that's what makes it fun when you get to this level. And it also makes it fun for the guys that are smart and held on to Felipe. There are going to be a couple of those guys that are like, I'm waiting on this. Yeah, because that's kind of how you win. You hope that one of your freaky picks gets through early in this whole season, so that you're sitting on Akayo, and and frankly, people are sitting on Gabe because Gabe wasn't on the tour. And that's the question for me or for you from me is how do you think Gabe does here? Because again, Gabe's never won. Gabe that wins. is, Gabe you think, wins. And he's coming into this season late. Like, there's a bunch of question marks around he Gabe. Wins. He's just coming it, into his form. Gabe yeah. wins this event. Gabe Medina is going to be the winner. Okay. And, he, and he's going to be the obvious, he would be the obvious survival league pick if you haven't already, you know, if you didn't pick him for G-Land or else out. Right, right, right. Which many people did because you and I were pumping him pretty big for G-Land. Yeah. Um, well, it starts in 20 hours. So the swell looks you, pretty good. The, the forecast it? looks good. Yeah. Do you know where they're running? Oh, I guess you want it now but which well, part of the beach they'd be running Yeah, at. they won't, we won't know. And, you know, apparently if it's smaller, it's those kind of close out rampy lefts. When it gets big, it's off the jetty and there's some rights yeah. off the jetty into a ramp. Like yeah. we saw um, that, remember we saw the keg guy do yeah, well. Yeah, Wade Carmichael. Yeah, but Wade. Felipe won that year too. So Felipe can win in those conditions or he can win oh, yeah. in small conditions. So yeah. Yeah, money's kind of on Felipe, but I'm interested in this Felipe title race concept because, despite how phenomenal of a surfer he is, yeah, 
Um, I'm not convinced he's the best surfer in the world by a long margin. I would name well, a bunch at, of people ahead of look him. Look at his two losses, David. I mean, not his losses, but where he's done really bad. Pipe and Sunset. Yeah. And he's coming into, and G-Land was four feet. Maybe. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so if Chopu's solid, and it kind of has to be solid, like Chopu, I mean, it can be three to four feet of Chopu, but, you know, we're hoping that it's normal Chopu and it'll be six to eight and insane. And if he doesn't perform there, then, and then he wins the world title, you're like, okay, he failed me at Pipe, Sunset, and Macking Chopu. Yeah. And that's why the final five thing needs to be held at Waves of Consequence. Frankly, it needs to be held at Chopu or Pipeline. That's where that thing needs to be held. We always said that Felipe wouldn't win a world title until he figured out the barreling reef break thing. But the, (laughs) the reason why he's been kind of on track to win a title this year is because Gabriel Medina didn't surf the first half of the season. Idolo's got a girlfriend and a six pack that he's more concerned about. (laughs) And so John, John's injured, you know? And so the, the kind of key competitors have dethroned themselves it wasn't Felipe that's actually beat them at the top of their game. They all, even though I think Felipe is actually at the top of his game now, they all kind of brought them, took themselves out of the game, which is offered an opportunity for Griffin to kind of elevate his status for Jack uh, Robinson to elevate his status, both of whom I think are hitting their strides as well. But I don't know that they would even be able to break through Gabriel at the top of his game john john at the top of his game certainly not in barreling reef passes yeah it's interesting you know um i want felipe to win the world title but i want him to do it with the monkey off his back and hopefully chopu provides that opportunity and felipe wins the world title that would be fine because we all like felipe and frankly he's bringing people's game up to a level that's mind-blowing you know like he's lifting the level of performance surfing up and i think griffin griffin can attribute a lot of his new gear that he's found to felipe i would imagine speaking of griffin i just called out felipe on his poor performances in waves of consequence griffin has horrible performances this year at pipe and at sunset beach that's surprising to me worse than felipe but we all look at Griffin and go, that guy charges. I know that, you know, he's going to put the pedal to the metal. Because Whatever. we've seen him. We've seen yeah. him charge. We've seen Felipe cowering on the shoulder. So, exactly. yeah. Yeah. We'll see what happens. I mean, the Chopu event, in some ways, it might not mean a lot to the top five. We'll see how it shakes out after Rio. I mean, after Brazil. But it will matter for those of us that are hanging an asterisk on Felipe Toledo here. Uh, in ways of consequence we'd like to see that monkey shake and we need to see felipe in um, the semis are better in macking chopu yeah well it's a bummer that we look at the schedule and we just want to breeze past el salvador rio like i look at those events and i know rio's right upon us and i'm like let's just hit the fast forward button let's just go to chopu like okay i guess we'll pay We'll have to like look at the results of this event, but I'm not watching every heat. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's yeah. a it's a bummer that there's like half the stops on tour that we're just looking to get past so that we can go to the good ones. It says so much about what you and I and um, the masses have been talking about. Like, yeah. And it's in a weird way, there's parallels to the 
to the PGA golf tour, you know, there's the four majors that everyone geeks out on. And then there's like the Kemper open in Ohio that nobody gives a shit about, you know? Yeah. And the, the challenge is how can the tour excite us? And we've ad, ad nauseum told them how to do that. And I'm not going to go into it again here. Well, you know, what's funny is last week, they also finished a QS event at Crewy in Sumatra, the Crewy yeah. Pro. Yeah. It was Killer. pumping. Yeah. It was so good. <laughs> Jesse Mendez took out Billy Stairmond in the final and a couple of people had sent it to me and they're like, are you watching this? The commentary is excellent. The waves are absolutely pumping and the surfers are ripping. And I turned it on and it's like, holy cow, it looks so good. By the way, off the radar spot to go surf. Yeah. Northern Sumatra mainland. Mm. That's where it was, right? was on the mainland of India. I, I didn't look at a map to see where it was, but I'm sure that's where Crewy is. But the waves are pumping, man. I know, and it was fun for you to watch it. I did see some some waves of consequence guys getting hammered. Yeah. Um well, moving on from WSL conversation, yeah. um have you caught up Kelly Slater's Lost Tapes episode 2 aired on Sunday? No. I haven't. There's there's a lot going on. I can watch that anytime. I got live sports to watch. NHL, now that, Padres, golf. No, but now that you're this far behind, you're never going back to catch up. Never know. A couple That's of years happens. from now. Um, I'll bring you up to speed. Listeners are watching this. Um, I got to this episode, I think, two days after it aired and already had 100,000 down or views on YouTube, um, which in the surf world is a lot. And so people are actually watching this. This episode is centered around his time at Bell's in 2019. He's staying with Alan Green and his wife. I think his wife's name is Barbara. Mm -hmm. So Alan was one of the co-founders of Quicksilver and um, Kelly has known him for decades. And it was such a intimate private look behind the scenes of Kelly's lifestyle. And this is what I was saying the value of the series was last week. If it's not excavating hard truths about Kelly's soul, it's at least, it's at least <laughs> a peek behind the scenes. You know what right, I mean? Right. And, um, and that has value. And so I just love seeing that kind of aspect of it. Yeah. Totally endearing seeing him with kind of friends in that way. I would, there's also almost family, you know? That's For the, sure. the thing about Kelly is that he's got these little pods of families everywhere. And it's interesting that the greens were kind enough to open up to the filmmakers. And that I speaks they, to their family relationship with Kelly. Cause Kelly had to go, Hey, do you mind? I mean, Kelly said, I trust this guy, yeah, Alec Parker. Yeah. And uh, yeah. And we have full right of refusal for everything on the edit. Yeah. Um, but the other thing was, they take him to this school in Victoria that, or Torquay, that mm -hmm. um, students, it's like a surf school, but it's all the uh, normal, like they're learning, they go to math class, but they learn about surfing in the math class. Like they apply the math equation, maybe geometry to the way that a wave is breaking. So it's applied, it's all the subjects applied yeah. to real world, but for surfing. So it's, you hear surf school and you think, oh, they're at the beach getting pushed into waves or something like that. They probably have a 
also that, but this is also in the classroom. It's all surf related content, which, and then they take Kelly there and Kelly does like a little, you know, speech. But I just thought to myself, how cool is that? And how much further ahead are there amateur surfers than American surfers? Yeah, that, it is really cool, isn't it? Um, it made me start to think about school districts and who who runs the schools and who has the power to create curriculum and and who has the power to implement uh, what's the word pedagogy? No, pe- uh, yeah, I'm not it? sure. Yeah, pedag- pedagogy, pedagogy. pedagogy. Well, yeah. <laughs> I um. I would never sacrifice my kids' education for surfing, but if the education is actually more, if it's equally robust and it's more engaging to the student, then it would be argued that the student's actually getting way more out of that math class than a traditional math class. Because let me tell you, as somebody who went to public school in Southern California, I didn't learn anything ever. I was trying to get away with doing nothing and succeeding. I want you to subtract from 100 by seven go subtract from 100 by seven ah fail (laughs) i don't think that wording's even correct do you mean 100 (laughs) minus seven yeah subtract from 100 by seven by seven okay maybe that that is is correct correct. wording okay see i didn't i didn't do well in grammar class either do it can you do it yeah 90 well 93 is 100 minus seven so keep going. Oh, and keep going. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. Uh, shoot. 86, 79, 72, 65, 58, 51. You're right. The wording is correct then, I guess, if that was the exercise. But yeah. at any rate, Kelly, seeing Kelly with the kids, in addition to their having a cool program seeing Kelly with the kids was really endearing. Um, he goes on the podcast, ain't that swell. They did a live show during mm-hmm. the bells event. Yeah. So he went on there and he's quick. He's joking with the guys, you know, and those guys are comedians essentially. So they're cracking fast jokes. Kelly's right there with them. Um, the, the final thought that I had on this series or the, the value, I think that it's going to serve, the most for Kelly was I was thinking about other surfer owned clothing brands. You got John John's Florence Marine X. You've got Dane Reynolds with former. Um, One thing that John and Dane have done really well is to utilize their own content. They almost cut everybody out when they were starting their clothing company and just said all the content that we've been allowing people to showcase of us we're going to corral all that content now and we're going to own it and we're going to leverage it to market our clothing brand essentially is what they've done. And they've done a really good job of that. And I feel like Kelly completely missed the point on that. So anytime, any time you see Kelly associated with outer known, it might be imagery in, in the outer known catalog or Instagram or whatever, but it's not him going out and creating an edit until now. This whole series is brought to you by Outer Known. And I feel like it really 
uh, it's his first foray into the vlogosphere, into creating kind of serialized content that showcases what we want to see. We want to see Kelly. We want to see behind the scenes. We want to see him free surfing. So this is a serialized weekly episodic thing, giving us what we want and also showcasing his brand in practical usage. He's wearing it. He's using it. It's, you know, I think it's a perfect commercial for Outer Known, and I'm surprised it's taken this long for him to kind of figure out that detail. Well, cool. And where can people see it? Because I do want to watch it. Like, I'm, as you know, we're all huge Kelly fans because of this, because he brings us behind uh, the scenes a little bit, behind the curtain, so to speak. And where can we see it? YouTube. YouTube. And do we just Google? I think it, yeah, the Kelly Slater Lost Tapes. I think it's on the WSL's uh, channel is the one that's actually publishing the episodes. Yeah. But again, I think that's a misstep. I think Outer Known should be publishing the episodes. Again, yeah. keep the content private or not, not private. It's public, but own the content. And that is your communication with your customer base. There's no need for the WSL to ha- uh, be involved in this as far as I can see. And I really hope that this series continues infinitely or in perpetuity, indefinitely, you know, Um, because I just think seeing Kelly behind the scenes as he's traveling around the world is interesting. And I'm a fan. I'm a bigger fan of Kelly because of it. And I don't see and I see it being a perfect vehicle for him to market his brand. Scott Bass, NeatEssentialsUSA.com is offering 20% off when you use the code SPITSUIT. And that's in the USA and Canada. It is for the 4.3 thermal chest sip and the 3.2 thermal chest sip. Uh, so that's a smoking, smoking deal. Well, you'd be doing yourself a favor to get 20% off right now on a 4.3 or a 3.2. And I'll tell you why, because, uh, you know, cold water can hit you quick. Like we could, we're in 70 degree water now on September 30th, we could get a cold. Like you want to have your new suit ready to go. And I'm always, totally. I'm a huge fan of getting a new suit in the summertime and you're going to get 20% off need essentials. Use the code spit suit. And you're also going to want to check out their quote last chance page for other deals that are available. So 20% off gets you a killer new four, three or three, two thermal chest zip with the code spit suit need essentialsusa.com. And those suits are already priced very, very reasonably. And so the 20% brings it down to a no brainer. You don't even have to save up to buy these. These are just already discounted. I just um, went to the last chance section that you were talking about. They've got the two, two millimeter chest zip wetsuit for 172 discounted the dry the dry pack, actually three different, uh, 26 liter, 42 liter, and the 30 liter dry pack are all discounted. The two millimeter back zip jacket, uh, for 64 bucks, just throw that in the cart. In addition to your thermal three, two or four, three. So all sorts of deals, neatessentialsusa.com. Hiring for a small business is critical. It's imperative that you find a highly qualified professional to treat and grow your business with the same care and detail that you do. LinkedIn Jobs will be your next big unlock. LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to find the right professionals for your team fast and for free. 
Everybody is already on LinkedIn with their resume and their references. So the fact that LinkedIn built a hiring platform to connect the dots between everything is simple genius. It's way more sophisticated than a job board. It's a vast network of more than a billion professionals meticulously organized to connect people by skill set, desire, ambition, all in an effort to help us advance our position. And it's easy to use and intuitive. So effective that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Fast hiring solutions means achieving your goals in record time with rapid growth in 2024. LinkedIn Jobs will even help you write the job descriptions and give you tools and prompts to help you interview your candidate like a pro. LinkedIn.com slash surf is where you go to post your job for free. Yes, totally free. And you can let the world's largest social network of business professionals work to connect you with the ideal candidate to help you grow your business. That is LinkedIn.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I got a question for you, uh, going in a different direction, if you don't mind. Um, you know, we're, we've got two more events, right? Mm -hmm. Three more or two more. Yeah. we got J Bay. So we go to J Bay. Bay Yeah. Okay. So it might be a little early for this, but as we stand now, who's your rookie of the year on the CT? Uh, it's got to be between Sammy Pupo, Caleb Robson, and Jackson Baker, I would think. Does that sound right? Well, Am I the, missing one I'm somebody? Lo- the one I'm looking at is Baron Mamiya. Oh, yeah. I forgot about Baron. I know. that's Isn't it weird? Like, we kind of forget about Baron. He's in a really he good spot. He's in ninth place. Yeah, he's – well, Caleb's in eighth because Caleb made the final of Bells. But Baron um, – the reason I didn't think of him was because he didn't qualify for tour through the traditional method. He got in as a wild card. Really? But I, I like him the best. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Because he won Sunset Beach. 
he got in at pipe. What are the, let me look at his ranking at pipe. I forget. He did really well at pipe. He must've got a quarterfinal at pipe. Maybe he got ninth. Somewhere. Yeah. He got ninth at pipe. He was the event wild card. So then they gave him the wild card into sunset. He won that. And then, um, he was not invited to the next event, but he got in as a replacement because somebody got injured and he got last place there. He got last place at the next event as a replacement, but because of those couple of uh, big scores early in the season, he was able to make the cut. Baron Mami has made the cut. He's only 5,000 something points away from being in the top five, understanding that, that means somebody in the top five doesn't do well and drops down a little bit, but Baron Mamiya is right there with, let's just throw away Rio, uh, Brazil. I mean, I, I mean, he's got the air game to do well there, but there's a lot, yeah. there's a lot up against him. It's probably his first time I'm assuming competing in Brazil at this level. And, you know, it's a lot of travel or like more than halfway through as a rookie, this starts to wear on you, the travel. You're not used to this. All these older guys, they've been doing this forever. They're like, yep, go here, blah, blah, blah. Okay, you know, it's a little bit more comfortable. Barron's a rookie from Hawaii. Things might not be quite as simple for him. So let's throw Brazil away and go, okay, he's going to Jay Bay. As uncomfortable as that is from a travel perspective, he's going to love the wave. And then he goes to Chopu. Baron Mamiya, an interesting guy here that's way under the radar. Yeah, I, I like it. It's funny to compare him and Caleb Robson because let's dissect why is Baron so much more interesting to discuss, look at, watch surf, yet Caleb's one spot ahead of him. I don't know. Caleb's like vanilla. It really, truly. To me, is it just, is it because they're both mild mannered? Like if you hear him talk, it's not as if Baron's full of personality or something like that. They're both kind of monotone, short, you know, short on words. But Baron, I guess it is literally just their surfing. You watch Baron stand up on a wave and you're like, there's flair. And Caleb, I can't remember a wave that he surfed, even Me though he either. made a final. Me either. He's, he's like the classic. Caleb's like, you know, any number of guys where you're like, Take him or leave him. But with Baron, we know, first of all, he's number, he's the pipe specialist. He's in the top, easily in the top three of pipeline specialists. Would you agree with that? Top five. John John, for sure. John, John Kelly and Baron. What about uh, Jamie O'Brien? Jamie's pretty long in tooth relative to Baron Mamiya. I'm not saying that I'm not, you know, okay. But I mean, on the there's, tour, there's five. Yeah. Oh, okay. On the tour. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, he's the guy that, you know, Kelly's going, this, this is the guy, you know? Yeah. So I think as I'm thinking about it further, his surfing has a lot more flair, but also Baron laid a lot of groundwork in our awareness for years before he qualified for the tour. Yeah. So we'd see edits periodically and he did a good job of giving us a pipe edit, an air edit. And we kind of were aware of his arsenal. Yeah. And when he showed up, then we were, the question was, we know this free surfer. How is he going to translate that to competitive surfing? And he did very successfully. Calum shows up. We don't know who he is from Jackson Baker, from any you know of the other um, Aussie kind of Wade Carmichael power surfer. So, and then he hasn't 
he doesn't have the flair either. So he hasn't like solidified that in our brain of who he is, what he does and how he does it. So there's too many surfers for us to pay attention to. If he's not demanding our attention, we're not going to give it to him. Is he regular foot or goofy foot? Quickly? He's regular. <laughs> okay. Be Dervich 2.0 is who he is. I was going to say that, but he, he's not as lanky, but he's, more, you know, I'm not sure who he is. He's kind of um, Morgan. <laughs> Morgan Siblick? Not even though. Morgan was better, I feel. Uh, Morgan's know? a little spicier, huh? Yeah, Morgan had that flair. Well, anyway, Baron so. Mia is my choice right now for Rookie of the Year, but Regardless of that, he's interesting to watch here as we move through these next three events. Is he going to fall off the face of the earth and drop down, or is he going to rise knowing that this Rio event, I mean, if you're Bear Mamiya, you're going, you know what? I, if I can get through the elimination round, it's a win for me. But he does yeah. have the air game that you could see him in the final. You could see Bear Mamiya in the final here. You could, but it would be a surprise. Whereas yeah. if he made the final at J Bay, you wouldn't be surprised or Chopu. Right, exactly. Yeah. So I agree with you. He's my, uh, I'll co-sign your pick for rookie of the year. And also um, I'm thrilled to see how unflappable he's been in competition. Yeah, I agree. He, he, he draws gnarly heats and he elevates, you know, he pushes people to their, to their limit. You know, he's one of the, I mean, when you think of pipe specialists, you go, okay, yeah, this guy rips at pipe, you know, how's he going to do? Mamiya has got NSSH. He's got so much competitive chops. I mean, he's surfed in so many competitive heats, yeah. but this is like, he kind of has the best of both worlds. He's a pipe specialist. That's also put in tons of the hard yard doing competitive surfing around, you know, North America at least. Totally. Totally. I'm a fan and I'm excited to see him surf more. Yeah. Um, I've got a must see moment. Do you have anything else on the docket? No, that's let's go to must see your must see moment. I did I did not click play on this for a week because I almost didn't care. But yesterday I wanted to do my due diligence for the show. So I clicked on Stab Magazine's cheat codes. Oh, John yeah, John Florence John, John talking thing. about duck diving. Yeah, it's really cool, isn't it? It's uh, so did you actually watch this episode or did you watch the old one of him doing the duck dive? I watched the I watched the old one that they put on Instagram right. from years ago where he's in the pool. Yeah, yeah. And Totally. And so that, and I remember that episode of tour notes with Peter King and it was fascinating. Well, basically they do a deep dive into that in this episode of cheat codes. And I've never thought that much about duck diving in my life, mainly because I'm duck diving three foot mushy waves all the time. You don't really need a lot of technique and there's not a lot of consequence. Yeah. And I'm never going to, I'm never going to be faced with the consequence that requires John John's level of expertise. However, it was excellent. This episode, super well-written. So first of all, shout out to Danny Johnson from who's now a staffer at Stab Magazine because Danny wrote it, did the narration for it. And uh, I think he did the editing as well, but it's excellently written, epically produced it's full of <laughs> well give maybe me another e-word give me another e-word it's excellently and it's epically and exquisitely right. uh narrated by danny it's full of archival footage and imagery so if you're just a fan of surfing and they're referencing like oh the john john starts talking about smaller boards writing small boards and they go 
Well, actually, the kind of turning point was that was Kelly Slater in, two, I think, 2008, that big, muddy year at Backdoor and Pipe, you know, where I think he was against Timmy Reyes in the final. Kelly rode a 5.9, or maybe it was a 5.11. But the volume was distributed heavily at the nose. So it had like all the same volume as a larger board, but it was shrunken down and that became the wizard sleeve. And the wizard sleeve was named by Benji Weatherly. And they're showing you the imagery, the clips, the videos, giving you all the context of how that board came to be. And the transition from writing bigger boards in those style of waves to writing smaller boards and how that influenced John John to write his smaller boards. Little details like that, that they're just sprinkling in throughout makes it super interesting and compelling, not just a duck dive tutorial, but like a kind of history lesson uh, for a lot of other aspects of surfing. So there's a bunch of technical stuff as well, like John John talking about there's a low, what they call the low impact zone when you're duck diving. So you want, people think you want to be farther away from the impact zone. John John explains, no, in big certain waves, being close to the impact zone actually has this little bubble of protected energy. And so you want, but it's difficult to be in that spot. You know, if you see that wave coming, you want to paddle quickly, but not too quickly, because if you're too close into the impact zone, you're going to get blown up but not too slowly because if you're two feet back, you're going to get sucked back. So you want to be just in that little pocket, being judging the wave to where it's going to break to know where that little low impact zone is going to be. Little technical information like that was super useful. Yeah, I, I love it. And yeah, those are little nuances that you notice as a surfer over your career in the water. You know, you know, oh, you know what? I think if I'm right here, I'm going to maybe get, I'm going to slip, slip, you know, slither through this little zone. And yeah. it's happened and it hasn't happened. I've mistimed it or you've mistimed exactly. it or whatever. But you know what he's talking about. You're like, yeah, I know that little spot where sometimes you're like, wow, how did I just bust through this thing? Well, the other one that would be very helpful is coming up from the duck dive. Like you push down when you're ready to come up, turning the board sideways. So yeah. it's perpendicular. And that obviously will go up to the surface a lot quicker. And, and frankly, turning it when you do your when you do your push down into the, into the whitewater, when you're approaching it, I always yeah, take I my board so. down. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Uh, do you, when you duck dive, do you use your knee or your foot? Knee. Yeah. Which is probably wrong. I think foot's probably no, better. It's correct. John, John uses his knee and he, and it, that came up at some point in conversation and whoever he was talking to said that most people actually use their foot. And I thought that was backwards. I think most people use their knee. I can't imagine using your foot. Yeah, I'm not sure. I do know that the knee has just been my go-to. And poor John Four over at the board source, when I turned boards in, man, the right side of my board on the deck, it's just the knee D-lambs are just, you know, the knee dings are just through the roof. It's just concaved on that side of my boards. And John Four's like, I love your boards, but they're always just ruined back here, you know? That's hilarious. I think my knee is down at the tail pad when I'm pushing on a duck dive. Oh, I, tail pad. That's, I missed that. Oh, by like right. five years. I'm not a tail right. pad guy. <laughs> I forgot. That's right. All right. Well, anyways, cheat codes. Um, I saw Sam McIntosh said he's got a whole series of these queued up. They're not all with John John. One is on um, Brad Gerlach talking about how all of his body mechanics are based on one image that he saw or that he has in his mind of Tom Curran. 
So I love from, that from a backside, me, me <laughs> from a backside snap to a frontside barrel, to a bottom turn, to high line trim, all based on one image of Tom Curran. That's cool. If you just keep your body in I that think position. It's probably a bottom turn, an image yeah. of Tom doing a bottom turn. I'm assuming. I don't know. Yeah. Well, well cool. All, it's a cool series. That was episode one. I'm into it. Must see. You know, there's some other cool stuff. If you're a, a stab premium member and we have no connection to stab. In fact, uh, I'm just telling you that I'm a premium member because I support what stabs doing. I had a talk with Evan Slater um, on our podcast last week. If you get a chance, check out the boardroom podcast with Evan Slater. He's the vice president of um, global marketing at Billabong. And he's also a guy who I've known for a long time. He used to be my boss at Surfer Magazine when he was the editor there. And um, and I forget where I was going with this, but... Something about STAB premium. Oh, yeah. We were talking about how important STAB is to the culture. Like, who's the authoritative voice uh, editorially? It used to be Surfer and Surfing Magazine, you know, and the Surfer's Journal has a place there too, but it's kind of quarterly or whatever. And we, we miss that foundational cultural voice that came in the mailbox every month you know like okay what surfer got to say and we're in this new digital age now and stab and sam and his whole crew michael cia morella and um and ashton all of those guys are frankly they're the editorial cultural voice of authority right now and they're owning it and they're killing it and again you and i have nothing to do with stab and i would even argue that they're probably anti what we do um, they're not but the point is, is that um, they've got a new thing, the, the DNA of the Cola Pinto brothers, but it's premium. So buy, do yourself a favor. I forget how much we pay every year, but is it like 60 bucks or 70 bucks or something? It doesn't matter. It's worth it is my point. Whatever the number is, the, the amount of great editorial content I'm getting from Stab is unreal. And frankly, I go to Stab to prep for the show, you know? Oh, yeah. It's one of my go-to places. Yeah. And uh, anyway, that's enough about that. Yeah, but no, I but I totally, I totally agree. They've only gone from, uh, they've only gotten stronger. I think ever since they went premium and they've got that funding, they've utilized that funding to expand and improve their offerings, which is awesome. Yeah. They're doing great, great work. Yeah. yeah and totally. I would like to see a competitor. I would like to see somebody else in the space you know, step up and do the same level so that we have these two great, kind of like surfer and surfing where there was, they, they made each other get better, you know? Yeah. Okay. Yep. I agree. More time. content is better. Until next time, David. Adios and aloha.
And don't forget to post your job for free at linkedin.com slash surf. That's linkedin.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at caskers.com.